That's right, you thought you'd seen the last of us for the year, but we couldn't sing Old Lang Syne without giving you episode 19 of the 2015 Bigfooty Blues podcast. This is the Who the Hell Is That List Changes edition. <laughs> I'm ODN, and with me tonight, a rookie draft pickup. He's a small forward who does his best work from the goal square because he has a suspect kicking action and a penchant for flipping the bird at the opposition chair squad. Please welcome Ferris B. Hello, everyone. He demanded we select him because he's a mobile tall with a big tank. I'm not talking endurance. He actually threatened us with an M1A1 Abrams army tank. Please welcome Shandog. <laughs> G'day, guys. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the following pair of panellists were believed to be selling candy all over the place when they pulled off a massive deception by inviting people to a garage sale or something like that, but instead they ended up tying the knot. While that may not be entirely accurate, it is believed the scandal rags are having a ball with rumours of moral depravity running right in the Fijian islands. Glad you two could surface at Graces with your presence, maybe in HBF. Hello! Nice to be back. Hi, guys. All true, yeah? Very true, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I own a tank. Uh, let's. You own a tank. I knew you did. I just knew it. <laughs> Boys and their toys. I'm currently flipping the bird, so we're all square. <laughs> <laughs> Accuracy abounds. All right, guys, look, it's been a long time since our last uh, podcast. Well, sorry, our last podcast that actually recorded and uh, and we played to you. Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> um, so we've had a hell of a lot of changes around the place. I think last time we spoke to you, we had only just been sort of fresh into the appointment of Brendan Bolton and uh, Feb and, just um, left, I think. Feb just it might yeah. be yeah, something like that. Uh, uh, Kenny Hands had just retired. Something anyway. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna just run through all the players that have uh, that have left the club. We've had fifteen. List changes, so fifteen out, fifteen in. That's a massive amount. That's one third of our list, and uh, I don't know the last time we, we we got rid of that many players in one in one hit. So obviously the club is serious about this rebuild. There's no, uh, let there be, be no doubt about what that, that whatsoever. Um, all right, let's just run through the players that have gone uh, uh, retired: uh, Chris Judd, Andrew Carazzo, and David Allard. Um, we sort of knew Chris Judd was going to go, but. Um, Bit of a sad day to see a couple of those names go, people. Well, it's sad. Everyone buy Judd's book. It's <laughs> actually, it's actually quite an interesting read. Like to see his impressions of Carlton when he first got there, and his impressions as he's kind of walking out the door, and how the club has changed and how it hasn't changed in some ways. Um, it's quite interesting, and I was very sad to see Carazzo hang his boots up because he's been a Carlton player pretty much my whole adult life, but I guess we kind of saw it coming anyway. So out with the old. <laughs> I, n- I note that they've uh, they've rested uh, the number five, the number 44 um, for next year. Um, I'm not sure if it's 46 being rested. I think, no, somebody's in that. Uh, um, but, right. Yeah, so um, 
45 and 44 have been rested. So that's uh, it's a great tribute to um, the careers of Judd and Carazzo. Just, um, just, just on that, I mean, I guess on, on face value, you hear Judd and Carazzo uh, are two of the senior players, but obviously Juddy didn't play that much. Carazzo played, I think, 16 games this year. But, um, you know, I, I suppose someone someone like Nick Graham will get more of a run and and Sam Kerridge, et cetera. So it's it's two senior guys, but it's probably not losing as much as we, we normally would. So not not a big impact, I don't think, next year. It's the right not time, yeah. Yeah. yeah, not not a big step down from 2015 to 16 yeah. when you consider yeah. the output of, of these guys at the end of their careers, yeah. Um, we also lost um, Matthew Watson, Robert Warnock, Cameron Giles, Nick Holman, Blaine Johnson, Brad Walsh, Tom Fields and Fraser Russell. They were all delisted. Um, a couple of people were a little bit upset about a couple of those names, but um, no major dramas with any of those. I was surprised and disappointed about Holman. Thought he was a bit stiff. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I, I think he showed enough last year to warrant even a, a re-rooking. Um, I always kind of look at it as if, um, you know, even if he was the second-round pick in the rookie draft, I don't know whether we'd get better than him at what would essentially be maybe pick 100 or 110. So I think he's a bit stiff, but um, every other change I think we saw coming. Yeah. We had a massive trade week. Um, or trade 10 days, two weeks, whatever it was. Yeah, we lost quite a few, didn't we? It was probably, um, for me, Tom Bell was the one that uh, was saddest to see go. Yeah, I don't Jack- think he can begrudge Tom Bell wanting to go back to Brisbane to be with his dad. So I, I think, um, you know, I think the club did did what they could to, to get him there, and they did. Um, the other three, look, all had their reasons to want to leave, but um, if they didn't want to be there, if they didn't want to pull on the jumper, then, you know, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out, I, I say. And I, I think with, with Bell, it, it was not only is it most uh, understandable having a reason to go, but I think we all begrudge, it seems like the board begrudges him the least because he had such a good year and um, looked like he, he put in such an effort and he'd improved and um, didn't leave anything out there, even though he might have known a while ago that he was he was heading out the door. Um, he had his Best ever season, whereas the other guys were, uh, were fairly ordinary com- compared to their potential. Yeah, um, worth noting that Troy Menzel was sort of that was more pushed out the door in the end by Carlton. I think he was pr- probably happy to go back home in the end, and always felt like he was always going to head back back to South Australia or over to Geelong or something like that. But because um, uh, he's out of contract next year, but um, it was our it was our choice to to trade him in the end. But uh, no surprises that um, Yaron Henderson and Menzel were three of the names that um, that we looked at as being probably not uh, giving their all on field during the year, sort of uh, going missing a fair bit and not living up to on field standards. So um, certainly a message being sent there. Yeah, and everyone who had a go at me for saying that Menzel looked disinterested and petulant can eat my shorts because he's gone now. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bart Simpson. No, <laughs> seriously, I was trying not to Cowabunga, swear. Cowabunga, maybe. I was trying not to swear, but they can get f- <laughs> oh, The censor costs money, Meb. Far out. Yeah, well, I'll send you two bucks in the post. <laughs> she said bucks then, okay? So you don't need to edit that I out. I said fucks. That's even worse. Bucks. <laughs> I said fucks. Get the swear jar out, HBF. Just put it out in front of. Them. That doesn't work. Uh, no. One extra thing um, on those players that were traded out as a group. Um, 
you know, I think it was pretty obvious that we needed some kind of rebuild and that some people are going, had advocated for a scorched earth policy and, um, you know, or somewhere in between. Um, you know, we we're never going to get any value from trading out Cade Simpson and Andrew Walker and um, you don't want to push those guys out of the, the great servants out of the club and you don't want to um, trade out your your valuable players like a, a Crips or a Doherty um, as an example, but those middle-aged players in that sort of 22 to 26-year-old group that have shown something had value, I think we probably cashed in just about every valuable asset. So it wasn't just the fact that those players um, wanted out or weren't that good this year. It was uh, if we were ever going to move up in the draft, that was pretty much the only way to do it. Yeah, I totally agree, agree yeah. Um, uh, Stephen Saldoni did a fantastic job to bumping up our, our draft picks to um, 1, 8, 11 and 19 by getting rid of those uh, those four players and sort of just mixing and matching. Also brought in, um, brought in a heap of other players in those trades. So um, that uh, probably players known for a little bit more of a work ethic and um, probably potential, unfulfilled potential maybe. Um, we'll talk about those players now. So... Um, during that trade period, we traded in uh, Sam Kerridge from the Adelaide Crows um, and GWS Foursome, uh, Lockie Plowman, Andrew Phillips, Liam Sumner and Jed Lamb. Um, any of those who you're particularly excited about? I think we've got a pretty good deal on. Kerridge. I don't know too much about Kerridge, to be honest, but I like he's – I think he must be from Bendigo because he knows a lot of, like, my family and stuff, and they speak very highly of him not um, – like as a gentleman, just as a really nice person. And it doesn't hurt to have too many gentlemen around. Sorry, the sheik. I know you want mongrels. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's, he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders and like he'd be committed to it is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I thought he was a good footballer for a while. Um, I remember when he – I think the first time he destroyed North Melbourne single-handedly, um, I was talking to being, – being someone who lives in Adelaide, I was talking to a mate who was a Crow supporter and I was sort of saying, oh, where did this guy come from? How come you guys have got so many players who just seem to come in from the twos and are really, really good footballers? And I kind of was hoping that was someone we were going to poach over the years for a couple of um, trade seasons and now it's happened. I'm pretty happy about that because I, I quite rate Kerridge and more reports, it looks like he's um, – going to fit in quite well with the club and, and be quite a handy pickup. The other one that I do like as well is um, Jed Lamb, just because it seems like his versatility as a forward and midfielder might be really what we need. Yeah, um, and and if you listen to the uh, the track watches, um, the likes of Kerridge and, and Phillips are really standing out at training. So Kerridge, Kerridge is right up there with our uh, one of our best runners and um, and sort of uh, taking over that Ed Kernow mantle. And uh, Andrew Phillips apparently is just looking sensational out there. So uh, people have got uh, visions of uh, another source Jacobs on their hands or something. But, um, you know, there's a reason these guys are playing twos and, and so forth at their previous club. Uh, they weren't getting regular games. So uh, it's a matter of whether we can show them a plan and actually put the faith in them and uh, help them to, um, I guess, lift their game to back to AFL standard again. I really like um, Daniel Gorringe. Um like a former high draft pick, 200 centimetre, uh, you know, good athlete. Um, so he essentially didn't cost us anything. So I think, um, you know, if we can get something out of him, that'll be a bonus. I have to admit, I, I haven't seen much of Gorringe, but I'm just wondering whether he's whether he's a footballer. I mean, he's a 200 centimetre guy that can run, but hasn't been able to 
nail down a spot in the ruck or up forward. He had a go in the midfield, and I'm just wondering whether, you know, it's another, let's broadly speaking, another Sean Hampson that is a fantastic athlete but just isn't going to make it anywhere. There was a that somebody actually, I think it was on the Carlton board mentioned that the one thing that he did like was game sense. Um, so hopefully with our coaching panel, the way it's structured, that's a high focus on development. I'm hoping that um, you know if they can if they can get him to sort of learn game sense. I'm not sure how you learn it. it sort of comes automatic. I would have thought you know we might have a player on our hands, but. You know, he's, he's cost us nothing really except a, a spot on our list. Um, so really anything we get from him, I was sort of looking at, at it as a bit of a bonus. Yeah, I mean, he's an, he's an athlete. So I'm just sort of wondering how the uh, – we've, we've taken away the sub, sub now, so we're going to have the four interchange, less rotation. So I'm just wondering mm. whether that benefits uh, a, a orange type a little bit more. Um, so you know, I guess that's all to play out um, depending on the, t- the tactics that the coaches sort of um, put in place to deal with those changes. Um, so – Gorange was a delisted free agent. Uh, the other delisted free agent we picked up on the last day um, of delisted free agency was Matthew Wright from the uh, from the Crows as well. Um, so he's uh, he's more of a sort of uh, uh, outside mid, um, a bit of a small forward. Um, yeah, that was said that the Crows board seemed really upset at losing carriage and they were saying that players like Matthew Wright and I think Nathan Van Burlow were getting games ahead of carriage and they were all um, filthy about it all through the year. Um, I don't think they were as upset to see Matthew Wright go. Maybe he doesn't have as, uh, as much upside, but um, I'm willing to certainly willing not, not uh, shooting him down, but willing to give him a go. But um, certainly I, I always like to see how upset the other team uh, is at losing a player as a little bit of a, um, uh, no, value up front, I guess. Speaking of upset, little fun fact about Matthew Wright. Two years prior to being drafted, Matthew Wright fractured his skull while he was hit by a glass bottle at a party. Oh, harden up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I just read that on Wikipedia. I thought it was worth sharing. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, the interesting thing about picking up Wright uh, as late as we did is that um, that actually took our senior list to 39, which meant uh, means we can only have one nominated rookie this year. Um, and and I think we're all accepting that um, Cameron Wood wasn't going to be a nominated rookie uh, because we've take, brought in Andrew Phillips and um, and and Gorringe and um, uh, Special K, Special yeah, K Mark Two. Exactly, and so we've got a, we've got a few options there now, but um, but it does mean that the one of the two Kieran's, uh, Kieran Sheehan and uh, and Kieran Byrne, uh, won't get the nominated rookie spot, so they're vying for the same spot, and the other one's going to rely on a long term injury to be able to um, to get senior games this year, and it's a little bit of a surprise because they're both worthy of of the senior list. They're both both showing a bit. They both got good kick, kicking skills, and we were all excited. It's only the fact that between them, they got one quarter of football last year uh, due to injury. So, um, I think that's yeah. what it's all about. Is, is yeah. they're being kept on the rookie lists for this year, just as a um, they they need to actually show a little bit more before they get signed to the senior list. And it's only due to injury that they haven't been able to do that. So hopefully, hopefully this year they'll both be up on the senior list. I think. Yeah. Um, the national draft, as I said, we um, Steve Silvani did very well to uh, for us to end up with picks 1, 8, 11, 19, and uh, we had 59, 60 at the back end. Um, 
we drafted uh, with the number one draft pick, and, and this was always going to happen. But uh, Jacob Wiedering is was our number one draft pick. Let's just um, talk about him uh, by himself for a little bit. It's funny because we've been expecting it. Everybody's known all year that number one draft pick would be Jacob Wiedering. We didn't know till right in the last round of football whether it was. Um, you know, we expected we'd get them because uh, Brisbane wanted Shacky, but we weren't sure originally during the season where we'd finish and whether we'd, you know, finish low enough to get Weedering. Once it was clear we were going to get there, we knew we were going to take him. And, it, and it's, it's strange because all the other draftees and pickups have sort of generated more conversation than Weedering since the draft, um, probably because we kind of just took it for granted a little bit that we were going to get him. I think much but, like um, him himself, the pick of Weedering was quite boring. Because we knew it was happening, um, I was I was quietly hoping for something random, like we we pulled out the the Blaine Bowkirst equivalent of pick one, um, but oh, but it didn't happen, and so I was like, oh, well, that's a letdown. But also, yeah. I think Weedering himself doesn't lend himself easily to conversation. Like yeah. you know, it, the conversation is about how boring he is and how he's a nice guy, and he goes home and he goes to bed and he gets up and he does what he needs to do. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? He doesn't go out and grab boobs or anything like that. He just plays football. He didn't break uh, his skull uh, from a glass bottle at a party prior to no. getting drafted. Yeah, well. well the, 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 yeah, look, I think, I think, I think we need the, the draft watcher HPF to actually um, give us a little bit on, on Jacob um, because uh, he, he's, he's more than just his personality. Um, You'd hope so. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, what's he doing playing football? <laughs> Look, I only saw Weedering a couple of times this year and to, to sort of simply sum him up, just think Harry Taylor. He, he plays so, so similar to Taylor. He he um, marshals the troops um, down back. He's good in the air. Um, he's got a good kick on him um, and he can go forward. He, he probably isn't as competent forward as what Taylor is, um, but essentially that's the player that we've got. Um, we've got a 10 to 12-year Key backman on our hands, genuine size at one ninety five, I think he is. So um, we just will not, we will not lose with this guy. He, um, if, right, if, Mick. If, if if not, for three <laughs> feet, <laughs> he's a, he's an elite kick, fifteen point one B test. Yep. Um, so elite endurance as well. Um, yeah, he's right up there in all these sort of um, uh, standing jumps and you know, sort of categories at the draft combine. Um, and he's the he's the he's the oldest eighteen year old I've ever heard of. Um, the, the guy seems to have the wisdom of a seventy year old and the personality of a wet brick. Yeah, he's got some serious man legs though. Like I think he'll be pretty pretty right to come in uh, and start playing fairly early. Well, that's that's what I'm looking at. He he's got a bit of confidence that he'll um, that he's going to want to work once the work's way into the side by round one. Do we actually think he's going to play most of the season in the seniors? In his position, it's very, it, it's sort of something that doesn't happen very often. Look, I've, I've kind of been big on sort of not throwing him in round one if he's not ready. I just, I just, I just don't want the club to sort of fall for the excitement and just to throw him in if he's not ready. Um, but look, I suspect he'll probably play anywhere between probably ten to fifteen games next year. Yeah, yeah, I think about the same. Yeah, yeah I agree. With with pick eight or ten or wherever it ends up, pick ten I think after the uh, the academy bidding, uh, um, we drafted Harry Mackay. It's important that we get the Mackay and not the McKay. Um, Correct. A, a two hundred centimeter, 
I guess, well, key position player of some sort, more, more a key position forward. Seems to be a bit more of a mobile tall, pinch hits in the ruck. Just play, seems to be able to play tall all over the ground, but um, um, a lot of development still to come from him. Yeah, he's he's pretty raw, and I think the one thing that, that stands out for me with him is someone who's sort of 200 centimetres, a key forward. He's, his kicking technique's pretty sound from, from what I can see. Um, sometimes you get kids that young that are you know some that that tall that their their kicking can be a bit sort of wayward um for example someone like a tyrone vickery um so look i I haven't seen a lot of mckay to be honest but from what i have seen um look i like him um i'm glad we picked him up we basically um got a key back and a key tall in in one in one draft so um he'll take a little while to develop as sort of most skinny talls do but um Again, with our coaching structure the way it is and high on development, um, look, maybe he might sneak a game or two in 2016, but I think 2017 is probably where it's at for him. With pick 12, did Carlton pull off one of the uh, one of the greatest recruiting moves ever? I mean, uh, Charlie Kernow was uh, was tipped to maybe go at a pit around about pick three at various times. Um, he'd sort of been up and down that top ten. Um, he got himself in a little bit of trouble a few days out from the draft um, and ends up at Carlton um, playing with his brother Ed, which I cannot be happier about as far as uh, it's, it's obviously one of the most prepared and professional footballers we have. So if uh, if Charlie has any kinks to iron out, uh, Big Brother's certainly going to do that. But um, the, I'm really excited about that particular selection. Yeah, I, I think we've got almost a still of a draft here. Uh, I think I think I was reading some Phantoms or might have been on AFL.com or somewhere that they had Kurnow as high as three going to Melbourne. So, um, yeah, again, not someone that I've seen a lot of, but um, could almost play anywhere, 191. Just, he's like a, just a bull. He just goes at the footy really hard and at the man really hard. So, yeah, I, I think we've got someone that could, yeah, a bit of a steal, and he, he's the one that possibly could play round one next year. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him line up at all. Yeah, you talk about we, uh, Weedering's thighs. Uh, Kerno is just, oh, oh, he's, no. he's, he's, a, he's a tank. Talking about it. Someone said, <laughs> 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 "Here he goes again." <laughs> <laughs> just looking at some of the some of the photos of Kerno and uh, Sosos as well. Um, they look taller than the, the um, heights they're listed at. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kerno's a, a little bit taller than 191 or so. And um, there's also talk that he could play through the midfield. Um, he seems to have shown more promise so far up front. He, he seems to be a bit of a marking beast, so to speak. And um, it's exciting to have you know him and Cripps as a, as a giant midfield. But if he can play up forward, just leave him up forward, I think. Yeah, it could yeah. be a very handy half forward for us. Yeah. I suspect that's where he'll start, Ferris. I reckon yeah. he'll start forward and then um, he might just be part of those rotations that might give, um, you know, Cripps or Murphy or Gibbs a bit of a chop out. So I wouldn't expect to see him play a lot in the midfield. Um, yeah. I agree with you. I think he'll he'll play forward the majority of his first year. This was touted before the draft, so um, we weren't too surprised when it happened. But Carlton reached a tiny bit for David Cunningham, but... Um, Gee, um, his highlights are, are, are fantastic, and we're talking, we're looking at a, a lot of speed and evasiveness, and a bit of a goal kicking mid, um, and that's something that we could really do with. 
Um, happy with that selection? I, I actually didn't know. I don't know anything about him, to be honest. I, I didn't really know of him prior to the draft, so I can only go by what, what you've seen as well, ADN, his highlights. And I really like that um, clip at training. I know um, I know. maybe got a bit yeah. of a laugh about uh, – Maybe not laugh, but she oh, quite wow, enjoyed. I got tears it. in my eyes. <laughs> oh, I bloody loved it. That was awesome. It was uplifting, wasn't it? Oh, and that's was. and that's, that's that's Brendan Bolton, and that's the spirit in the group. Um, how often did you see when player would kick a goal over the? You know, when Carlton have been down and out over the last couple of years, and we, you know, player kicks a goal, and he might get one or two that'll congratulate him, or sometimes not nothing. Nothing. Kick a goal, go back to the centre, nobody says anything. They're all dispirited. This is a training where the coach calls on a young boy to, to go and have a shot at goal, and it wasn't that hard a shot. It was only about 35 metres out straight in front, but still, um, the pressure's on, and just just an excuse for the boys to get around him and make him feel part of the group. That was really good coaching and, and really good spirit from the group. And, geez, I tell you what, the, the, the club's coming out with these sort of motivating, inspirational-type videos and articles and stuff on a daily basis. They've really got their act together over this uh, this off-season. Sorry, I know we're all really excited to talk about Bolton, so we're probably all jumping in with the same stuff. But I think part of it has to be his learning and development background. He obviously understands young people. He understands what motivates them and he understands how to engage them. And by putting Cunningham on the spot under pressure like that when there's knocks on his kicking, he's really given that kid a chance to prove himself and set himself up with confidence to, yes, I belong here. Um, And it's something that's so fresh to the club as well. Everybody can feel it. Um, HBF and I went into the Carlton shop and the guy who works there, he's worked there for years, he is so excited because he said everybody's engaged. Everybody comes in and says hello to every single person who works in the building. Like it's, it's not the team and then everybody else anymore. It's all of them. They're all Carlton and it's got a completely different feeling to the excitement and anticipation I've had leading into other seasons. This is like, oh, there's something brewing here. Something big's going to happen. Speaking of tears, um, our final selection in the draft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, we, 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 uh, Adrian Dodoro actually uh, placed a bid for young Jack Silvani. Uh, the pick before Carlton's next pick, a little bit of a uh, little bit of banter really between the clubs, a little bit of fun, just uh, keep them on edge. And uh, naturally, Carlton matched the bid, and we have another Sylvani playing for the Carlton Football Club. Wow. Oh my god! Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, anything better than than a Sylvani playing for Carlton? I don't think so. Uh, would there? What about three Sylvanis playing for Carlton? <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 build it up, man. Because if I get let down, oh. <laughs> I'm that excited and so high pitched about this that only dogs can hear me right now. I. <laughs> 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 I, I posted um, uh, probably maybe a few months ago now, and, and I'm, I'm not necessarily the most um, sentimental, um, emotional guy out there, but um, we're talking about a discussion about memberships, and, and someone mentioned Jack Silvani, and, and uh, I said, look, I think this has the potential to be a real coup for the club. Obviously, you don't want to recruit him just for the name. He's shown enough talent. He kicked six goals in, a, in a, one of the state games, um, but he's still young and raw, but I, I told a little story that when I, you know, I sort of grew up in when Soss was starting his career and I watched his career, my dad watched Serge 
And that was um, something that him and I connected on when I was little. And my dad was telling me stories about how Sauce, he remembers watching Sauce's dad and back in the glory days. And, um, you know, it, it's actually like this is something that I can think I can share with my kids when Jack's hitting, hopefully hitting his straps in a few years. And I can tell them, you know, put them on my knee, get out my pipe. And, you know, back in my day, um, you know, I remember watching his poppy and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's, it's just amazing story. Um, you know, I think we're all just rooting for him and the videos that they put when, and when he was drafted with, um, with Joe and, and, uh, Serge looking completely nonplussed, um, and bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a whole part of a bigger story. And I've got to give credit to the club there. Um, just a couple of days out from the draft, um, there was a tweet that went out, um, from, I think, uh, her name's Emily Anglin. And she's a Channel Seven reporter. He said he's going to he's coming to the Carlton fold, a fold to do some special presentations. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty professional, and pretty good. And, you know, get a get a Channel Seven reporter on board and all that sort of stuff. And that was the first presentation that she'd done. She she obviously she did interviews with you know uh, with, with Jack and with Joe and with um, with Serge and and just the, initially right after that. That on the night, not long after they put out that that initial reaction of sitting at with Jack sitting at home with his mum, and the, the tears were flowing, um, sort of at Carlton households around the country. Uh, you could just feel that emotion, and it, it just and that's and when you talk about something big happening, maybe um, nothing really epitomised it more than that moment. And that's yeah. not, and that's not the first time an Angwin has stolen the show. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily didn't break into Carl Bowman's house and, uh, to, to to do this. But um, to go with that particular story, the Carlton media guys have put out that the, the Silvani story video as well, oh, um, just yeah. showing those three generations of what it means to be a. You know, Silvani, and 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 it was extremely well narrated. It was extremely well put together, and um, just just both of those combined. Um, I, I don't mind admitting that. You know, I, I had tears in my eyes for for about two days straight, and I've, I don't know how many times I watched those videos. Oh, but do you know what? The one thing that really makes me cringe is that photo they took of <laughs> Serge Stephen. And Jack, where they're like holding each other's faces. I can't look at it. It is so awful. <laughs> if I had any Photoshop skills, I wanted to get it and then put like Sauce doing his mark of the year, you know, um, and just position them any more awkward than it already was. But oh, so bad. <laughs> just have the three of them standing up or something, or they can stand behind Serge, but they, he doesn't need to grab their heads. And they're they're cupping his. Chest. I don't remember this, but it sounds awesome. I'm going to go and watch it. Google it immediately. It's going to end up like if you're on, you know, the the Age website or something, and it has that little article at the bottom where it says ten awkward family photos. <laughs> you click on that, it's going to be number one, I think. Totally. Does anybody remember all those occasions of little Jack running out with his dad before, you know, the 300th game and all that stuff? I just like when I see those images, like, I remember all that. You know, I remember the last game at Princess Park when he, um, um, I, uh, I can't remember what he carried out, but when he came out before that game. Um, I remember all that stuff. And you're thinking, that's the same kid who's now actually sort of living that dream. So it's, it's marvelous stuff. Um, we had uh, we then had the rookie draft, um, and 
Carlton uh, selected Jesse Glass McCasker. Um, now that's I don't, a name. Yeah, that's a name. I don't know if he's going to be JGM or GMAC or whatever he's going to be. Um, Andrew Gallucci, Gallucci, isn't that a great Carlton name? Um, and um, and we sort of formalised the, the selection of big uh, American Matt Moore, uh, Matt Korchak, uh, who obviously came on board a couple of months earlier, but um, sort of his his big category B rookie uh, status was confirmed on that day. So um, again, um, small forward, and uh, we've got a, we've got a project fullback. HBF, you know much about um, about Jesse? No, I don't. I only only really what I've sort of seen on yeah. on highlights and what I've read on um, on Big Footy. So I really don't know much about him at all. And same with um, Gallucci. I, I don't sort of watch a lot of VFL other than the the occasional Northern Blues game. So sure. um, their highlights look okay. Um, Let's see how they go next year. I, I think um, there'll be a few of us um, watching some Northern Blues games next year, that's for sure, with the, the talent we've got into the club. I think it'll be pretty exciting next year. I'm hoping McCasker, as a, as a latecomer to the game, um, starts to do well and, and sort of makes all those who think that we should have taken Kieran Collins over David Cunningham because he was still on the board um, sort of think twice. So let's, let's hope so. It's nice to have a project tall defender. And one that's not going to have any pressure on him either. He can just, I mean, I know he's only got a one-year contract, but, you know, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but with the development sort of coaches we've got, hopefully they can they can um, really fast-track his development and um, see where he's positioned this time next year. Just, just to HBF for a second, a quick shout-out to you. You said you've only seen, uh, you know, the highlight videos and you've read about him on Big Footy, so you don't know anything about him. Are you kidding? I'm an expert, and that's all I've done. That's, that's how it works on Big Footy. <laughs> you're, you're not supposed to actually have known anything about him. But um, I, was, I was really interested in the, the, the Collins um, you mentioned. You know, we could have picked him maybe at 19. But, um, you know, potentially a, a fullback is someone that you can pick late in the draft. Don't spend, don't spend big on a fullback, um, even if he's in a an elite junior prospect that it's not a great um, comparison, but you know, it could be a Matthew Watson sort of thing. Um, maybe better off spending a rookie pick. You, it was talk. You could go as high as 30, 35 and you've got a potential. I know they're all potential at the moment, but a potential fullback in GMAC, a potential center half back in, in uh Wiedering, center half forward and full forward roughly with um, Kerno and Mackay. So it just seems really nice. We've covered a lot of bases. Yeah, a lot of gaps plugged in one draft, isn't it? If they if they all work out, that's it's what a sensational draft. Um, coaching wise, as I as I said uh, at the start, we um, we knew about Brendan Bolton when we did our last podcast, but um, we've we've since added to our catch, coaching ranks uh, Tim Clark, Shane Watson, Dale Amos, uh, Josh Josh Fraser as the Northern Blues coach. Um, they've joined Matty Capuano and John Barker, the only ones that have survived the, the cull. Um, and um, we just announced, I think it was it today, that um, Ian, Ian Aiken, former Carlton player Ian Aiken, has joined as a, I think he's a development coach for the Northern Blues. Oh, I actually hadn't heard that, that um, the old robot's back. So it's good to have, a, good to have another player from the 80s back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Rookie of the year back in whenever it was. 87. 80, 87, yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk about Rain Man, honestly. 
<laughs> uh, just, just, just broadly on the coaches. I mean, to be honest, I knew very little of of the coaches individually, but collectively, um, apparently, each of the coaches has, has coached their own team, and they're they're fairly young, and they've, they've most of them have got had some sort of development um, role yeah. before as well. So it just seems. If you're starting with a new group, it just seems like a really nice, clean collective. And that's, I think, what we all wanted um, rather than poaching, you know, someone like a worse fold and a, um, you know, sort of these not quite has-beens, but, but you know, um, name name coaches. And we got Craig as the, the old wise head and then a bunch of hopefully young, hungry guys. So I think it's it's exciting. What what shit truck of a club would recruit in the worst fold again? Um, <laughs> we've, uh, we've also poached, and I don't remember his name. I didn't write this down, but it says some, one of these motivational psychologist-type guys from Hawthorne. They, I, I saw a video where they sort of talk about uh, well-being and getting players to... Uh, look at their thoughts and how it affects performance and stuff like that. So it's all very psychological, but um, uh, we've got this, this guy on, uh, involved. So um, he's, he has a good relationship with Brendan Bolton. So he's, you know, if it's working, it's obviously whatever they were doing was working for Hawthorne. So it's good that we're actually able to um, maybe, you know, spread a bit of that magic fairy dust around Carlton. And, uh, and, and, and I've always maintained the cut. There's a certain, always been a certain mental fragility to um, to our team or probably for the last you know, decade or so but um, um, so just getting people on board that can provide that provide that motivation and actually help players to um, maybe uh, keep that confidence and you know remove that self-doubt and stuff like that that's, that's a good thing what other changes we had? We uh, appointed a new board member, Kate Jenkins, who's the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commissioner, um, and that's um, just a, it's it's a little bit of a softening of the boys' club mentality at board level in Carlton. You know, I know we've got um, uh, Jenny Pratt there, but um, we we generally don't have females on the board for whatever reason. It just does. It did smack a little bit of a gentleman's club type of feel to it, you know, uh, you know, cigar smoking, leather seats kind of stuff. But um, does that mean Jeannie it, is uh, scantily clad dancing, or oh, she pops out of a cake every once in a while, apparently. But um, I'm not going to be able to sleep for days. Terrible, terrible. Club. <laughs> yeah. But no, no, honestly, it's sort of it, it, and and it's it's. I mean, just looking at a resume, it's not. There's no token appointment there. You know, it's just getting in people that don't, you don't have to be a blokey, blokey football fan or anything like that. Um, it, it's just embracing new ideas and different people with different, different um, backgrounds. And I think the way the AFL and the and is going as far as you know equal opportunity and human rights and all that sort of area, um, it's just perfect to get somebody like that on board. So I think she's a great asset to our board. Yeah, I, th- um, I think if a if a board member can name. Ten players of the club, which for which they're a board member, they're overqualified for the job. And like, I don't want you to care about football. I want you to yeah. do your business thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because then maybe they'll shut up and let the cl- the team get on with playing football, and they can take care of making us some goddamn money. Yeah, it'd be good. Actually, I'd love to be in on those interviews. You know, it's like this reverse trick question sort of thing. You're like, you know, thank you for applying for the board of Carlton. Can you name me ten players? And they get to ten, and they're all grinning. You're like, get out. 
I don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. well, well, the other thing is that none of those 10 players will probably be at the club next year. So <laughs> the, the way we're turning over the list at the moment. Ooh. Well. Oh, that is maybe, no, maybe not next year, but we've just gotten rid of 15 players. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of turnover at the moment. Um, another thing we haven't discussed on the podcast, um, and it's happened some time ago now and really deserved its own podcast, uh, our John Nichols medal winner for 2015, Patrick Cripps, 23 games into his career. He's the youngest winner since Big Nick himself. What an effort. How good was that uh, that close finish at the end too? It was exciting. I'm so happy for the uh, the young guy. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, speechless. <laughs> oh my God, you weren't speechless when he won. Gee whiz. It would have been a blubbering mess. Oh, my God. Oh, I was on him before we drove to He was patting himself on the back, was he? Oh, for Very sure. Much so. I think to get somebody to pat him on the back for him. For him. But anyway. Basically, Cripps owes his John Nichols medal to HBS encouragement. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, um, looking at him on the training track, how is he looking? Oh, Delicious. This, yeah. It's, this, it's, this it's, guy, it's, you know, every off-season he goes away and does something, but he, he comes back and you go, holy shit. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the most driven players. And, and I, oh, gee. Dreamy players. Dreamy. <laughs> Yeah, no, he is dreamy. It's, 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 he's one of those players that everyone, I mean, we're all sort of gushing over him and on the boards. It's just we can't say enough positive about him. And it's not just pure talent. It's, you know, and he's a young inside mid, so it's not just natural flair. And we all know about what he did on the last uh, off season. And he just seems to have leadership written all over him and mature and hardworking. And you just, it's it's the kind of player that you build a club around, really. He makes me hungry whenever I see pictures of him. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Oh, well, it's after, it's nearly nine, it's 10, 10 o'clock in your, your time, so uh, you can say whatever you like. Um, and, but, but the interesting thing is we, we look at all the excitement of the draftees that come in, you know, the, the Wiedering and McKay, McKay and Kurnow and Jack Silvani, and we're looking at that and we're looking at the players like Carriage out there doing the stuff and thinking, oh, maybe Lockie, Lockie Plowman can live up to his number three draft potential. And, you know, we've got some small forwards in and we've got all these extra talls in. We're a very tall side now. And we're looking at all that and you go, oh, yeah. And we still have Crips. Like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting that we've got, we've still got a lot of good players in that side that can really show something. But it's just with the added injection of enthusiasm coming from with, with um, from outside, he's not going to have to do it all on his own. I think the, just, just to expand on that a little bit, we, we essentially get sort of almost three recruits that are already at the club as well next year. Like, um, Thomas is apparently training the house down again. Um, Cruiser, hopefully, we'll see for the majority of the season. And um, Gibbs, who hurt his shoulder in uh, Bendigo last year, hopefully, we'll see him for a full season as well. So, you know, when you add those three guys as well, um, maybe 2016 isn't going to be so terrible as what we all think it might be. Yeah, I'm quietly no, optimistic as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're at least looking. We, we, we want to be competitive and we want to, we want to keep developing. I mean, I guess... 
people are still saying, oh, Carlton, Carlton are going to be wooden spooners by a long way. That's the prediction on the big footy boards. And I guess last year when they some people started suggesting that, we were thinking, no way. Look at the players we've got. And then it happened, you know, in, injury or other reasons. And, you know, why it happened doesn't isn't really important. It actually happened. So now we've sort of trained ourselves to be a little bit, sort of keep that lid on a little bit and have sort of, Op, you know, sort of cautious optimism. Um, you know, thinking that we could uh, we could do better and surprise everybody. But the thing is, if we're going to be down the bottom, we're doing it with a purpose. We are really going to be building properly. Um, so Re- resetting properly. Reset. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like this is like GWS coming up where you go, like, yeah, they might be, they might suck now, but I tell you what, in a few years' time. That's going to be an awesome side. And and that's how I'm starting to feel about Carlton now and the way we've done this. And we've done it so quickly. This first stage of this of this 66-game rebuild has happened so quickly. It makes you feel like well, we could be ahead of the curve. Well, on that, on that topic of being quick as well, um, I read an article today which was quite interesting that suggested that we're now going to be paying the minimum salary cap in 2016. And if you believe the reports from before, we're paying the max in 2015. So that's that just reflects how quick that turnaround has been. Yeah, so that's just another area where we've reined it in, you know. And look, yeah, we, we lost another 900000 but, you know, and we've, we've had to, you know, pay out a coach and sort of a, a loss of, you know, lesser crowds and loss of membership and stuff like that. Injury payments, you know, apparently. Yeah, injury payments. Well, There's a whole lot of reasons for that to happen. In a year like we had, you know, losing that much money is not unheard of. So, And I know we've had a couple of years' losses in a row, but um, I just see that the, the sort of little bit of buoyancy and the optimism that's out there and the sort of vibe around the supporter base, you know, we'll get, we'll get a lot of those members back and... Uh, you know, some of them might wait to see whether we actually give a yelp on field, even if we lose, as long as we're actually giving 100% and we're attacking we're attacking the contest um, and, and showing a little bit of pride in the jumper, everybody will get back on board. So um, exciting times. And one last, one last little teaser by the club. They're, um, they've sort of got some plans or announcements in the works as far as um, Princess Park. And our not so much our tenancy there didn't, but it sounds more about the ground itself and our plans for it going forward. So I, I'm sort of very, very curious as to what that means. But uh, I don't know whether the AFL is sort of going to inject some money into it, make a little bit of a boutique stadium. Um, that would be quite interesting to have uh, if sometime in the future uh, Princess Park turns into an AFL venue again. It'd be nice if they just started by um, giving the Richard Pratt stand a bit of a clean up. You walk through that, you walk through the um, like the the bottom tier of that, and you almost need a hazmat suit on it. There's crap everywhere, so it'd be nice if they could just you know maybe get in a skip or two and just give it a bit of a tidy up. Even just yeah. get rid of the bloody splinters. I'm sick of sitting on freaking bits of wood that stick in my butt. Like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop, stop going there in a Lady Gaga outfit and yeah. you're fine. <laughs> um, it's just a little treat for Dilbats. No, um, <laughs> the thing is people say, oh, yeah, let's have a boutique stadium, and that's fantastic. I'd love to see it happen. But when you actually go to Prince's Park, it is miles off. The toilets have not been touched for since our last game, I reckon. It was the last time they were cleaned. And they're not just dirty, but they're in a state of complete disrepair. 
the Melbourne Rebels has dumped shit everywhere under the stands. And so, like, there's bobcats and rugby pads and crap everywhere. Like, the place is an actual dump. It's a dumping ground for people's shit. We, we are getting ahead of ourselves speculating on what that announcement might be, so it may not be anything like a, uh, turning it into a, a ready-to-play stadium. But, um, you know, it's, it's always interesting when, when they sort of give those little teasers uh, wondering what it might be. And, you know, as I said, the club are coming out with news almost every day. They're coming out with something that makes us go, oh, that's interesting. That sounds good. You know, it's piquing our interest. It's keeping us in. This is one of the best, this is one of the best off-seasons I can remember. <laughs> Probably since uh, Judd, Judd joined, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, I mean, that was we've, we've not only got Judd, we've got a Silvani and a whole whole heap of others. So and and and, and just uh, from where we've been to 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 for us to be uplifted that fast, and it's only been six months, just over six months since we uh, we sacked Mick Malthouse, and we were as low as we could go. Um, to turn to turn things around that quick, as far as the general vibe. And the feeling in the future, the feel, you know, what might happen, um, that, that's that's a testament testament to a lot of people at the club right now. So doing well, keep it up. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure everyone else has um, heard this, but apparently the other two times we've had a Silvani and a Mackay on our list, we won premierships. So let's see if we can get it. Let's see if we can get a hat trick and uh, do it again. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there, folks. Um, Thanks for coming in, Ferris B, for your first of, your first official podcast. You had done this is your oh, second one. Uh, the other one was on the cutting room floor. And, um, uh, I, I think that's where Shandog's going to end up on if it doesn't doesn't record. Yeah, maybe he's going to go over there Dexter style. I think. And, no, but I think if it doesn't record this, if it doesn't record this time, Ferris, uh, we'll think you're the jinx, mate, and we'll come up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're dead, Ferris. <laughs> Play Ferris. <laughs> um, uh, thanks, thanks, HBS. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Mavi. Thanks, guys. Bye. Uh, uh, hey, thank before you, Shandol. Uh, just, yeah. uh, just say uh, in, uh, not quite in person, but uh, congrats to the, the newlyweds. Um, yeah, well done, guys. Can can I can I just say this? I, I don't. Want, I hope this doesn't sound creepy, but like, you're. I think the wedding kind of there's on the board. There's a kind of a feel that like you're. It's like our HBF and maybe are getting getting married. You know, it's um our 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 two little not quite kids have grown up, but we all sort of you know have seen you on the boards for a long time, and it's just um. Well, it is it, it is ours. I mean, uh, Bigfooty introduced them. Yes, and so uh, no. Uh, the, you know, in the podcast and HBS sleazy coffee ways and stuff like that. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole range of factors at play there, but uh, that's why. I mean, we have to tell all our dirty little secrets, do we? <laughs> <laughs> well, Shandog Thank can cut you, out Ken. what he wants to be. And speaking of Shandog, thanks, thanks again, Shandog. Put your tank away, mate. Okay, backing it up now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, everybody, thanks, and go the Blues 2016. Bye bye. All of my life, try to love you with all of my mind. I'm the sole challenger. I'm-